Happy Mother's Day. Thank you so much for being with us here this morning. My name is Sarah Kunze. My family and I have been members here at Good News for two years. And this is a picture of them up here. This is my husband, Matt. He's a mechanical engineer that works locally here in St. Augustine. Um, I also work for um, a crew, which is Campus, Campus Crusade for Christ, as the director of Christmas gatherings and homeschool my kids. This is Malia. She is eight, and Kaya is five. This is a picture of our small group. We meet on Sunday nights, and they have just been instrumental in helping us transition, our, our family transition to St. Augustine as we moved here a couple years ago. And we love our small group. It's just it's intergenerational. We love how many kids and teenagers are a part of it as well. And um, again, it's Mother's Day, so thank you so much for choosing to be here with us this morning. Um, I hope for all the mothers in the room, that you just have a very joyful day today as you're celebrated, and um, that you just continue, our prayer for you is that you continue to keep your eyes on Jesus as you disciple your kids. And our, we know that this is a hard day for a lot of people too, as many have faced infertility, loss, or even strained relationships. And so our prayer for you is to also continue to keep your eyes on Jesus because we know he is the one that redeems all things. Um, we have a few announcements this morning for you. Uh, first, there is a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. And so if you would mind taking that out and filling out whatever you, um, you know, feel comfortable uh, giving us, especially if you're new, we'd love to connect with you and give you a special welcome and answer any questions that you might have. So you can fill that out and place it in the black box in the back of the room. Uh, our second announcement is Discover Good News class. If you've been attending Good News for a while and you would like to make um, Good News your church home, please attend one of these classes. This will be your next step. So there's two classes coming up, one on May 17th and one on May 20th. And you can indicate on the Connect card as well if that's something that you're interested in doing. Grad Sunday is coming up. This is an exciting time for a lot of our families to celebrate those that have accomplished all of their years of schooling. Um, so if you are a family that has a grad, please don't forget to RSVP for the breakfast that's coming up this next Sunday. And if you have any pictures that you still need to send in, please send those in to Don Gernon this week. Another event that is coming up this next week that is exciting is our Summer Splash. And that is for any families with kids to celebrate our end of the school year. And this will take place next Sunday. We'll provide lunch, water slides, and it will happen behind the gym out here on property. So that'll be a fun, exciting time. I know my kids are looking forward to that. Our last announcement is VBS. And um, I had the privilege of um, being a small group leader for rising first graders last year and had such a fun time doing that. And even got the privilege to lead um, in prayer some of these little kids to Jesus. And so we have four more um, positions that need to be filled for small group leaders for this, this week in June. And if you feel the Lord laying on your heart to um, answer that call, please either fill out on your Connect card or get in contact with Tony Willis and um, just let her know that you want to be put in the game. Also on the chairs uh, next to you, there is a sheet of paper um, that will give you more of like a brief job description of what a small group leader is and what that entails. And so um, just reach out to Tony and she'll let you know um, how you can get involved. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pray as we invite Smiley up to preach the word.
Dear Jesus, thank you so much um, for the mothers and the mother figures in our lives. Thank you for your grace and blessings that you give us through family. And I pray for just your wisdom and guidance as moms as we disciple our children. Pray for Smiley, um, that you would just fill him with the Holy Spirit as he preaches the word to us, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive it. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. If you did not pick up your study last week, there should be a study on the seats. It's, uh, we'd love to have you join us. We're reading through John together and having a great time. Please pick that up. There's a place for some message notes and all there. We also had uh, last Sunday, oh, we had on Monday this week, we had our last mops of the year. And it was great that we got to serve breakfast to all the moms who came and uh, really appreciate Tavanya and all those who helped put on mops. And we can give God thanks for that. Uh, we also had a first serve this week. Alicia St. Vilas was uh, served in preschool ministry for the first time this past week, and we're thankful for Alicia and her first serve. Uh, lots of opportunities to serve. And this week, we rejoice. We saw one person come to faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. Let's give God thanks. I'm really praying that all of you would have an opportunity to lead someone to faith in Christ. And one of the best ways, as uh, Sarah was talking about, helping out with Vacation Bible School, children are the most open to the gospel. And uh, you could be a small group leader, and, and the Lord could give you a, a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to uh, introduce a child to faith in Christ. Okay. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 1. And... Would you stand while I read God's word? Would you stand? I'm going to read verses 1 through 80. Uh, you, you can sit down, okay? You can sit down. I just thought that would be fun, okay? I, I am going to read 80 verses, but I'm not going to have you stand, okay? I just thought that would be fun. Um, we're doing a series of messages on, on Mother's Day called Extraordinary Women of the Bible. And you might wonder where that came from. Where that came from, a pastor many years ago named John MacArthur wrote a book called Twelve uh, Ordinary Men. And it was a book, a book how God used very ordinary men to change the world. And so the women in this church were always saying, when are you going to write a book? When are you going to write a book about women in the Bible? And he said, what man would be foolish enough to write a book, Right. 12 ordinary women. The one thing I would never tell my wife is, you know, Karen, what I love so much about you is you're so ordinary. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going there. So eventually, John MacArthur wrote a book, and it was called Extraordinary Women. So what we've been doing on Mother's Day is looking at extraordinary women in the Bible. We've looked at Lydia and Jochebed and Lois and Eunice. And today, we're going to look at one of my favorite women in the Bible, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. I have many, many heroes, heroines. I have one Savior. Our Savior saves us, but our, our heroines can inspire us. And I think Elizabeth will be an inspiration to us. And what we're going to learn in the message today, the point of today's message, is that Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. Would you read that with me? That Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. In life, our character faces two tests. There's adversity and prosperity. In marriage, we face two tests. As a nation, we face two tests. There's both adversity and prosperity. They both test us. A great Bible teacher named Chuck Swindoll says, for every nine people in the Bible 
For every nine people in the Bible who can handle adversity, there's only one that can handle prosperity. Then listen, both adversity and prosperity both test our character in our, ma in our uh, marriages in our nation, but, but really prosperity is the bigger test. So we're going to read through Luke 1 and see how Jesus enabled Elizabeth to pass both the test of adversity and prosperity. Luke 1, verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as, those who, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. So the author is Luke, and what Luke did is, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he went out and he interviewed all the eyewitnesses to Christ, and then he wrote down the gospel so that we would know the exact truth about Jesus. So if you'd like to know Jesus, Luke's a great book to read. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. There's our character. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the law, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years." So what do we learn about Elizabeth? First of all, we learn that she's a daughter of Aaron. We learn that she's married to Zechariah, a priest. And we see that she's a believer. She's a believer in the one true God. And you say, well, how do you know she's a believer? Well, notice it says that both Elizabeth and Zacharias were both righteous. And the Bible's very clear on how we can be right with God. In Romans chapter 3, notice what Romans 3 says as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. So the, the Bible says there's no perf person who's perfect. We're all sinners. There's none righteous, not even one. So how, how could Elizabeth and Zacharias be righteous? Well, in Genesis, uh, God had made a promise to Abraham that one of his descendants would bring salvation to all the nations. So in Genesis 15, we read, this is in the Older Testament, then he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. That when Abraham put his faith in God's promise of a savior, then, then his sins were forgiven and he was given righteousness. He was credited to him. The verse that started the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther's favorite verse in all the Bible was Romans 1:17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. The righteous man shall live by faith. That's what began the Protestant Reformation. The moment we believe in Jesus, all of our sins are imputed to Christ and we're forgiven and his righteousness is imputed to us so that from that moment on, we're righteous in God's eyes. So we learn about Elizabeth. We learn that she was a daughter of Aaron, that she was married to Zacharias, that she was a believer. Uh, that's all prosperity, and then we learn about adversity. She was barren and she was old. Um, Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Listen, there are many here who know the pain of infertility. 
But it was even magnified then because what a woman wanted more than anything and what a man wanted more than anything in those days was to have children. And Zacharias and Elizabeth had none. Elizabeth was experiencing both prosperity and adversity. Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God, in the appointed order of the division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Most of you know there were 12 tribes in, in Israel and that one of the tribes was the tribe of Levi. So all the descendants of Levi would be Levites. They would be helpers in the temple worship. But the descendants from the family of Aaron, they were the priest. So Zechariah came not only from the tribe of Levi, but he came from the family of Aaron. And there were more priests in Jerusalem than there were opportunities for someone to go in and to burn the incense. One priest every day, selected by lot, got the opportunity to go in and burn incense. The idea of the incense was that as the incense goes up to God as a soothing aroma, our prayers go up and are soothing aromas too. So one day came, the lots were cast, and, and uh, Zacharias was chosen by lot to go in and burn the incense. And this would have been one time in a lifetime. It was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall give him the name John. Do you ever feel that God doesn't listen to your prayers? So Elizabeth and, and Zacharias had prayed for years and years and years for a child. And what the angel says, God has heard your prayer and granted your request. And you're going to have a child. You're going to have a son. You will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of God. And he will drink no wine or liquor. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will play a huge, huge part in, in the salvation of God's people. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit will fill him while he's still in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. God had said in the Older Testament that before the Savior came, before the Messiah came, someone would come in the spirit and power of Elijah and prepare people's hearts, and John would be that one. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain, for I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. I mean, I'm old, but my wife, she's really old, right? <laughs> the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. 
Again, we see that we're made right with God through faith, not by our works, because here we see that Zechariah, who was righteous in God's eyes, did not believe the message God sent to him. The people were waiting for Zechariah and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, Can you imagine that? You had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and you wanted a son, you wanted a son, you wanted a son, and then that day came. She had experienced uh, pros- uh, adversity, and now she was experiencing uh, uh, prosperity that she was going to have the son she wanted. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. It was such a disgrace to be a woman and not to be able to have a child. But listen, Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. She had known prosperity. She was a believer. She she was married. She knew good times, but she knew tough times too that she was not able to have a child, but now she was going from adversity to prosperity. She was going to have the son that she always wanted. Now in the sixth month, probably the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Anybody know the first time the gospel is preached in the Bible? Anybody know where that is? Hopefully you'll know now. It's called the Proto-Evangel, the first gospel. It was after Adam and Eve sinned. After Adam and Eve sinned, God made a promise to them. He said, one day the Savior will be born of a woman. That's the first time the gospel is preached in the gospel. When the Savior comes into the world, he would be born of a woman. He would crush the head of the serpent while the serpent bruised his heel. And so the longing for every Jewish woman, the longing for every Jewish woman is maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be the one. I'll be the one to give birth to the Savior. And of all the Jewish women who would ever live, Mary was the one who was chosen to be the mother of the Savior. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. Jesus is a unique person. He's fully God and fully man in one person, two natures, one person. He came into the world to save us from our sins, and he needed to be unique. He needed to be human, so he was born of a woman, but he also needed to be without sin, so he was born in a unique way. He was born of a virgin by the power of the Holy Spirit. So 
listen, we all inherit from our parents uh, a sinful nature, so here's how my wife's theology goes. Here's what Karen thinks. So um, he had a, a mother, but he didn't have a father, and he didn't have a sinful nature. So guess where sin comes from? Who? From our dad, right? So, so Jesus was born of a virgin, fully God, fully man, for a unique purpose. Um, and behold, even now your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. Talk about adversity and prosperity. That's about what Mary was to enter into. Prosperity? She was going to give birth. She was going to give birth to the Savior of the world, but adversity? No one was going to believe her. She was risking that wedding she so wanted with Joseph because he wasn't going to believe this happened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the me of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. So Mary walked by faith and she said, You know, I'll go with it. Let it be done to me according to your word. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. She wanted someone who would understand. She knew her parents wouldn't believe her. She knew that John wouldn't believe her or, or Joseph, her husband. So she thought there's one person there's one person who will understand, and, and so she ran to, to see Elizabeth. And whenever I hear the word Elizabeth, I picture one of our members, Wendy Leyland, at Christmas time, singing about Mary and Elizabeth. I'll go tell Elizabeth. Isn't that what Mary needed? She needed someone. And there was only one person who would understand. One person to understand. One person to hold her hand through really tough times. So she goes uh, to see Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's all over uh, Luke chapter 1. If you're new, we believe there's one God. And yet within the one God, there's three persons. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to save us here. Holy Spirit occurs four times in this chapter. First of all, we were told that John the Baptist would be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And then we saw that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. And here we see Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit. And a little later, we'll see Zacharias filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happens? What happens when the Holy Spirit moves in someone's life? And she cried out with a loud voice saying, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? What the Holy Spirit does is he opens our eyes. He opens our eyes to see our sin, the bad news. He opens our eyes to see the beauty of Christ and to confess Christ. And so Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, is the first person who ever confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. 
Notice her theology is so good. The mother of my Lord would come to me. Did you know at one moment the God who made everything was in one human cell in the womb of Mary? Isn't that amazing? That God was in her womb. How about you? Have you ever confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? It's so important we do that. The Bible says it's when we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, that's how we can be saved. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, Smiley, why do we need to confess Christ as Lord? Listen, the gospel has good news, but it contains bad news, and the bad news of the gospel is we have a problem called sin. And it's a twofold problem. Listen, we're sinners by birth, and we're sinners by choice. We're sinners by birth that we inherited from our parents a sinful human nature. That's by birth. And then we're sinners by choice. We all choose to sin against God. What's a sin? It's a crime against God. And we're all guilty of committing crime after crime against God. In thought and word and deed, a God who's just, who can't just wink at sin and say it doesn't matter, a God who says what we deserve for what we've done is hell itself. The reason we need to confess Christ as Lord is, is we've sinned against God and what we deserve is hell. And then there's Jesus. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus, the word Jesus means Savior. That Jesus is God who became a man. He was born of a virgin who lived a perfect life for us so he could go to the cross. And as a man, he could die in our place as our substitute. And as God, his death would be of infinite value. So on the cross, all of our sins were placed on Jesus. And he experienced the wrath that our sins deserve, crying out from the cross that is finished. He died, he was buried, but the third day he rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, he proved that he had conquered sin and death. And he offers a salvation as a free gift, a salvation from the guilt of our sin and from the penalty of our sin, from wasting our life, from, from wasting our eternity in hell. Saves us for forgiveness, for the opportunity to do life with Jesus, the opportunity to do eternity with Jesus. And what does he require of us? That we believe in him. Have you? Oh, if you never have, listen, the door to salvation is open today, but one day it will be too late. The only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus. And what does that mean? It really is as simple as A, B, C, and you can do that right now. Or if you need help, I'll be glad to help you as we close in prayer. But he tells us that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Believing in Jesus is as simple as A, B, C, where we admit Jesus I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? And then I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior. And Lord, Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Won't you? Oh. And if you have, do you hear what it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you're Lord and I'm not, and believe in your heart that Christ died and rose from you, you'll be saved. So Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> She's the first to confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. But I have to show you something that really strikes me in this passage. Verse 44, For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the, what, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Did you notice we saw that twice? 
Remember when I read verse 41? When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. The baby did. And in verse 44, And behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Do you know where the most dangerous place for a child to be in America is today? Do you know where it is? It's in the womb of her mother. Do you realize over the last 50 years that 70 million babies have been killed in their mother's womb? Um, If you're new, we're Christians. We believe the Bible is God's word, and we believe that human life is God-given. And uh, so I want to teach you how, how to know what's true, how to know what's true, okay? How do we know there's a baby? Well, first of all, there's the standard of truth. And the standard of truth is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And the Bible says that John the Baptist and his mother womb leap for joy when Jesus, a baby, was in Mary's womb. That's the standard of truth. But next, I'm going to show you the evidence of truth. And does what the Bible teach conform to reality? So I want to introduce you to our youngest grandson. Here's our youngest grandson. Our son Nathan and his wife Megan, she's pregnant. And this picture was about a month ago. That's five months. Five months. Now, it's very obvious that it's that he's a a baby, right? So John the Baptist would have been one year older, or one one month older. So the standard of truth, how do we know what's right and wrong? The, The standard says that there's a baby in the womb. The evidence, we look at reality, does reality conform to what the Bible teaches? And it does, right? Now I know, In a room this size, there are many, many ladies here who had an abortion. And I want you to know, listen, abortion's a sin, but we've all sinned, especially me. And when Christ died on the cross for our sins, he died for all of our sins. And I know this, that when we believe in Jesus, listen, when we confess our sins, he forgives us. Listen, we all need Jesus. But listen, if you're a Christian... The Bible is so clear on the preciousness of human life, and we're in our culture to speak the truth, to speak the truth and to stand up and to defend those who cannot defend themselves. And that certainly includes the unborn. Back to our passage, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken to her by the Lord. Verse 46, and Mary said, this is known as the Magnificat. Mary so thankful for, to, for, to be the mother of Jesus that she, she offers a prayer of praise to God. My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. But I'm so thankful to be a Christian. We have a Savior who forgives sinners. In religion, you have to save yourself. The gospel says Jesus saves us, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. And behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, and he has exalted those who were humble. 
He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. Come on, moms, maybe you were pregnant at the same time with someone else in your family or, or a friend and, and you gathered together. Weren't those special moments? Can you imagine how special that fellowship was between Mary and Elizabeth as they spent this time together? Um, then Mary had to go back and try and convince Joseph that this child was by the Holy Spirit. You know how that story goes, right? Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth and she gave birth to a son. Isn't it an amazing time when you hold a newborn child and, and you know the child's a gift from God, especially this lady who had waited and waited and waited and waited and prayed, and there she got to hold her son. She just moved from adversity to prosperity, right? Because Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity, of, of being barren, and prosperity of having a child. Her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. Prosperity. And it happened on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. But his mother answered and said, no, indeed, but he shall be called John. Now she moves from, uh, from prosperity back to adversity because they're, they're not going to want to listen to her. So she finds opposition. And they said to her, there is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, his name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came all on all those living around them. And all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind. What then will this child come out to be? for the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. Uh, and his father Zecharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, fourth time, Holy Spirit would fill John in the mother's womb. Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. Um, um, Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit, now Zecharias. And what happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit? They tell others about him saying, Blessed be the God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that what we celebrated at Christmas? That God visited us? That God accomplished salvation for us? And has raised up a horn of salvation for us? And is um, in the house of David his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, that Jesus saves us from sin and death and the devil, to show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. Him Speaking of a son, man, you're going to play a big role in the salvation of God's people. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. 
Come on, moms, don't you like this next verse? And the child continued to grow. Oh man, she had waited and waited, and now she had John, and she got to watch John grow up light and learn to walk and talk. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit, and he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance in Israel. Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. And listen, Elizabeth and Mary, they knew prosperity. Listen, they were believers. They were married. They had sons and their sons. Listen, John had a big role and Jesus is our Savior. They knew prosperity. No, they knew adversity. Don't we know both? I mean, adversity that Elizabeth had been barren for so long and and Mary, no one believed her. She was called an immoral woman at a time when that really mattered. Listen, they, they knew adversity. And both of them had sons who died horrific deaths, didn't they? Now, Elizabeth, the, word, the name Elizabeth occurs four times in the Newer Testament, and they're all in Luke 1, so we don't know. We don't know if she was around when John the Baptist was beheaded, but her son met a tragic death. And you know why, right? That he spoke truth to power. He spoke to the, to the king. And remember what he spoke about? Really interesting. John the Baptist said to the king, he talked about marriage and sex. He talked about marriage and sex, and he was beheaded for that. He said, it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. Isn't it exactly the same today, isn't it? If we want to lose our job or get into trouble, all we need to do is teach exactly what John did, right? That marriage is the permanent union of one man and one woman. It's God's institution. That'll get us into trouble, won't it? And all we need to do is to say sex is to be enjoyed in marriage alone between a husband and wife, and we'll get persecuted just like John was then. So they knew adversity as they watched John the Baptist experience a horrific death and then Mary. She was at the cross. She saw her son die a horrific death. But one of the ways that Jesus helped them deal with adversity is that Elizabeth and Mary knew that they would see their sons again. Oh, don't you know Elizabeth and Mary enjoy being with their sons forever? You see, Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. And that's how our character is tested. Our characters are tested by adversity and by prosperity. Our marriages are tested by adversity and prosperity. I'm doing our oldest daughter, Lydia's wedding. <clears throat> and when I'm going through the vows, for the first time, it struck me that the wedding vows really deal with the two tests, don't they? For better, what? For worse. For richer, for poor. In sickness and in health. And I'm doing this and I'm thinking, wow. What the marriage vows are is will we ask Jesus to help us pass both tests? And ever since then, I've been asking married people, what do you think is a bigger test in marriage? Do you think adversity or prosperity? Someone said the right answer, but almost everybody tells me adversity. And when people say adversity, then I always say, well, why do people struggle to stay married in Hollywood? Because if it was adversity, you'd think good-looking rich people would be really good at marriage, right? But they struggle because, listen, adversity is a, 
It, it is a test of our marriage, but prosperity is way bigger. Look at America. There's never been a more prosperous country, yet we struggle with marriage. That's why we need Jesus. Listen, our, our characters are tested by adversity and prosperity. Our marriages, do you know our nation is too? Do you know there's two tests of a nation? There's adversity and prosperity. How did our country handle adversity? Pretty good, right? We, we held together through two world wars and a depression. And now we're in a time of unimaginable prosperity. Unima Do you know there's obesity is a bigger problem in our country than starvation? Most people in history couldn't even imagine that. And in the midst of all this prosperity, we're coming apart. Why? Because prosperity is a bigger test of a nation than adversity. Someone said so well, they said, nations die by suicide, not by homicide. Isn't it true? Isn't that what our nation is doing, is committing suicide? And isn't this the best time ever to be a Christian? Because we have exactly what people need for character in marriages and for a nation. We're here to let people know what we need is Jesus. That Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. What a great time to be a Christian. So we've learned that Jesus enables us to pass the test of adversity and prosperity. And so we come to the action step for the week. And what I want you to do is to treasure Jesus to treasure Jesus. Well, what do you mean? Well, the false gospel that we hear a lot today is that Jesus will help you get your treasure. I mean, if you read your Bible and go to church, Jesus will help you get your treasure. But listen, that's the false gospel, and that will not prepare you well for adversity or prosperity. But the true gospel is that Jesus is the treasure. Jesus is the treasure, and when Jesus is our treasure, then we're equipped to handle prosperity. We're equipped to handle adversity. When Jesus is our treasure, we can handle prosperity because we can enjoy Jesus, our treasure, and the good things he gives us to enjoy. And he gives us many good things to enjoy. And when Jesus is our treasure, we can handle adversity too because we have Jesus with us in our adversity. When we fail, and we all fail a lot, when we have Jesus, we can say our failures are not fatal, right? And listen, life is hard and marriage is hard, isn't it? But when Jesus is with us, we can say our lives are not futile. When we live in life and it's hard, we have a friend and a purpose big enough to give our lives to. And listen, when we do Jesus in adversity, we realize that our death is not final. The best is yet to come. So, <clears throat> treasure Jesus. Well, so like, how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, I'd like to share with you how I do that. I've been married for a long, long time. Lots of adversity, lots of prosperity. But... Joe and Sally Moore have been lo married longer than, than Karen and I, and recently we went to their 50th wedding anniversary. It was really cool. And they had a couple talking about Joe and Sally, and the guy said, he asked Sally, what, what was it like? What was it like to be married to Joe for 50 years? Sally said, it was like uh, two minutes. Underwater. So true, right? Have you been married a long time? Sometimes it seems like two minutes, right? That's the prosperity. But sometimes it seems like two minutes, what? Underwater. And that's the adversity. Uh, listen, I've been a pastor for a long, long time. And I've seen so many pastors undone by adversity. And they've been undone by prosperity. And so I want to share with you 
how I've been able to treasure Jesus and walk with him through adversity and prosperity. The first thing that's very helpful to me in treasuring Jesus is to spend time with him. If he's our treasure, it's so good to spend time with him. Isn't that what we see in verse 46? When I get up each day and start my day with Jesus having breakfast with him, I get to read things like, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslord. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. This week we were reading in John, right? And I was reading in John 13. And know what John 13, 1 says? He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. And I said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for loving your own who are in the world, and thank you for loving them to the end. And I said, Jesus, help me. Help me through adversity. Help me through prosperity. Help me to love my wife, to love her well, and to love her to the end. And I said, Lord, with my ministry, with my ministry, Lord, help me. Help me to love the people in our church, to love them well, and to love them to the end. You want to treasure Jesus? Spend time with him. He's the treasure. Secondly, team up. Team up. The first thing Mary did when she found out she was pregnant, she teamed up. She went to be with someone who could understand. Now at this time, Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. She sought out someone who could understand. That's why we want to make disciples together. That's why it's so important after we know Jesus that we connect to a church and get involved in a small group so we can do this together. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment for what has been spoken to her by the Lord. What I have found over many years is that my difficulties are not quite as hard when there's other there to help. Isn't that true? And you know what else I found? That my joys are so much greater when there's people to share them with. Not convinced. I, I've used this before, but it's my favorite illustration. We used to live on the, on the 17th hole of the Royal St. Augustine golf uh, course. And one day a guy's playing golf by himself. And I'm looking out the window, and I see him hit this absolutely amazing shot. And he's standing there. He kind of wants to celebrate, but there's nobody there. And I look out. I walk out the back door and said, I saw that. <laughs> and he danced. He danced because there was someone to share it with, right? Why do we want to team up? Because the hard times are not quite as hard when there's others there to lift us. And listen, the good times are so much better when there's people there to share it with us. Um, and so we spend time with Jesus and we team up and then we share him. We share him. You know what's so neat about Jesus? The more we give him away, the more real he is to us. He is. Matter of fact, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, right? He said, baptize them, win them, and then teach them. And then he said, open your eyes and I'm with you. 
He said, if you'll tell me, if you'll tell others about me, you'll really so show me, you'll see me show up in your life. And one of the things I love about being a pastor is I'm always sharing with others how Jesus can help them in their adversity. And when I share that with others, I experience the same in my own life. And when I share with others how Jesus can help them in their prosperity, I see him in my own life too. And you can do the same. Let me ask you, who do you know? Who do you know who really needs to hear what we learned about today? Won't you go and share with him? Who do you know whose life is being undone by prosperity or adversity? Wouldn't they love to know what you've learned today? I believe this week that all of us, we're going to have conversations with people and they're going to be sharing with us how their lives are being undone by prosperity and adversity. Won't you just ask them, hey, could I share with you what we learned in church on Sunday? What we learned is there's two tests of our character. There's two tests of our marriage. There's two tests of a nation. There's adversity and prosperity. And we all need Jesus because with Jesus, we can pass the test of adversity and prosperity. I'm doing life with him. Wouldn't you like to do with him? You can, you know. You really, really can. Let's pray. Jesus, we are so thankful you came to save sinners. Thank you for living a perfect life, for dying on the cross for our sins, and thank you for rising and offering us salvation as a free gift. Maybe you're here today and for the first time the Holy Spirit's opened your eyes to see your sin in need of a Savior and to understand that Christ died and rose so that you could be saved. Listen, if you'd like to be saved, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and wrongs. And I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, I pray for those of us who've received you that we would treasure you because we believe that you're the one who can help us pass the test of adversity and prosperity. Lord, some of us are going through really, really, really hard times. Jesus, I pray that you would help us through our adversity, knowing that our failures are not fatal and our lives are not futile and our death is not final. Lord, others of us are going through a time of amazing prosperity. Lord, Help us to do prosperity with you. Lord, I think most of us, we're going through adversity and prosperity at the same time. Day by day, we walk through times of adversity and prosperity, and we need you in both. Lord, help us this week to, to spend time with you. Lord, help us to do this together. Lord, help us to share with others what we've learned today. For we pray in Jesus' name.